up close with Carlos Sang, celebrating art, entertainment and the human spirit. Uh, welcome to another episode of Up Close with Carlos Sang. My next guest is currently touring in a brand new production of A Voyage Around My Father. Uh, he has previously been seen in productions of Othello and Translations and was also uh, in Belgravia as Charles Pope. Uh, it's a huge delight to be able to introduce the wonderful uh, Jack Bardo. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's been you know a good fifty years since you know a voyage round my father first you know premiered on stage. And um, why did now feel like such a good time to be telling the story again? Well, um, I mean, I, I wasn't part of the uh, part of the conversation as to what as to do as to do the play and to put on the play. Um, I joined at a later point, but I think the thought behind it was that it's a window into uh, a, a sort of lost England a window into the past. Um, you know, I said, when discussing when I got the job and I was discussing with my friends what I was doing, a lot of people my age don't know who John Mortimer is or was, but he was a hugely important figure in British cultural life, um, you know, for a large part of the of the 20th century. So I think it, the, the thinking was it was, a, it was a window into the past, a window into a slightly forgotten um, England. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really quite remarkable, you know, how John Mortimer's writing, you know, really still speaks to audiences today, but, you know, really captures mm. that period, you know, of that lost England, as you say. Um, what was your first mm. reaction to reading the script when you received it? Um, I, I thought, I think I was quite confused by it because he writes, he's actually quite an awkward writer in many ways. Uh, and a lot of the language is, it's all about subtext and it's very coded. And I don't think I, I quite got that when I first read it. So I think I was probably quite perplexed by it. You know, a lot of the conversations seem very strange. Uh, and then going into rehearsals, it, it illuminated it for me in a really helpful way. And, I, and uh, you know, because really, I think it, it, the whole play is all, always orbits around sex and sex mm -hmm. is everywhere in the play. And when I first read that, I probably didn't see that. So a lot of the, the sections of the play <laughs> where sex is just below the surface. Um, I couldn't see it at all when I first read it. So it just, I, I think I was probably quite perplexed, but then reading it uh, in rehearsal and, and being guided through it by Richard Eyre and Rupert Everett, I, I, I started to find it very, very funny. Mm, uh, very cheeky, actually, yeah. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of laughs like in the audience when I went to see it. Um, it definitely still has that humour. Um, I found that also quite interesting, you know, how, you know, a lot of the characters, including yours, they're not actually named in the show. You know, it's just, you know, the father. The yeah. son. Um, why do you think this was as well? Well, I don't, even though it's, just, you know, it's ostensibly about John Mortimer's life, I don't think it's meant to be a completely autobiographical piece. You know, I, I, I certainly don't see my task in acting in the players to be John Mortimer, you know, or, and, and I think he's probably written it like that intentionally to add a sort of layer of distance between him, his family uh, and the events in the play. So, so it's very much the way I see it is it's presented as, you know, a story inspired by the events of his life, but it's not, he hasn't written, this is what John said. And he, and, and he's written, and, and with the other characters, he's, he's renamed them to be different from the ones that they're based on in real life. So I think it's probably to, to put a little bit of, distance between the real life events and the events as depicted in the play you know it is still to a certain extent a fiction yeah 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 definitely i mean john mortimer you know he had a pretty extraordinary life you know as both you know a writer and a lawyer you know as well as a father too mm. um was there anything yeah. about john that you particularly found you know really interesting too when you're researching him 
just how much he got done, I think. I mean, he seemed to have, he seems to be one of these people with a sort of insatiable appetite for life and, 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 and for output, really, you know, and to balance his massive literary output with his legal career. Um, I mean, God, it makes me feel quite lazy, you know, thinking about everything he managed to do. And, you know, he was just nonstop um, and did it all with a kind of level of ironic humour and, um, yeah, and, and fun. And so, yeah, I, I guess just his, just, his, just his work rate and his appetite for life and, and everything he managed to do and get through and, and um, yeah, the legacy he's left. Um, that's probably what I found the most interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're playing um, Rupert Everett's son in the show. Um, what has it been like, you know, working together on, you know, creating that father-son dynamic too? Really fun. Really fun. And Rupert is, I mean, he's got a great character here, but he's hilariously good fun to work with. Uh, and just a real privilege, you know, he's a fantastic person. And it, it, yeah, rehearsing was a real joy. We were just having such a laugh the whole time we were doing it. And yeah, it's just been, yeah, just a real privilege. He's just a, he's a really fun actor to work with. Yeah, was there much in the sun as well that you were able to identify within yourself too? Um, probably the you know the sort of yeah the awkwardness and uh, that, that sort of classic English awkwardness. I think I've, I've probably got a lot of that <laughs> myself, probably more than I'd like to admit. Um, yeah, the, the that kind of awkward humour um, that he that, that's very typical of English uh, young men. I, I I think I've definitely got a lot of that in myself. Yeah, I mean, watching the show, so you can also, you know, sort of tell that it's being directed by, you know, Richard Eyre, you know, Sir Richard Eyre. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's so stylish and so well put together. Um, you know, what have the conversations been like with um, Richard Eyre on, you know, bringing this show to a modern audience? I don't think, I don't know if we had many conversations about bringing it to a modern audience. I can, well, yeah, I don't know if we, if we had many, com- I, I think our, our, our objective was very much to place it in its time, you know. Uh, and and to give us as honest a depiction of that time period as we could. So we talked a lot about the time period, which you know, which Richard comes from. Um, so there was a lot of references in the play that we just people who are younger don't really know anymore. I don't really understand. So I think I, I guess that's what we did. You know, is we would just talk um, for hours about you know the minutiae of of the world that we were depicting and and, and all, through all the references in the play and really painting that picture as vividly as we could so that it so that it could be uh, communicated to a modern audience yeah i mean this is you know you've done a number of you know period pieces you know translations mm. Belgravia, you know voyage around my father now um did you mm. always have an interest in you know historical pieces and you know see yourself as an as a period actor too no, not necessarily. Uh, it's just something that it, it happens to be the job that I've done so far. Um, but I love modern drama. I think, you know, you can have rubbish stuff that's set in a period of time and rubbish stuff that's modern and, and great stuff that's period and great stuff that's modern. I'm, I'm interested in great drama, whether, no, no matter when it's set. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of great writing is period writing because that's the writing that's lasted. You know, rubbish writing tends to sort of disappear. So the great writing persists and that's why we have such a rich um, canon of period work to revive um, but no it's not something that I ever intentionally saw myself uh, specifically aiming for it just happens to be the work that I've that I've done since I uh, since I left drama school yeah I mean this is the first time you've really toured as well as an actor um how has that experience yeah. you been you know see performing for audiences around the country it's it's really fun it's quite I, I mean it's quite it, it's 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 a challenge it's a big part I'm playing in this I'm on the stage essentially the whole show 
So I don't really have a lot of energy for, for much else um, when I am, you know, on the road. And I often just go back and forth between the theatre and where I'm staying. So, I, yeah, I've just got back from Cardiff and I hardly <laughs> saw Cardiff, I'm, I'm afraid to say. I, I wish I had got a chance to kind of walk around and have a little look at the city, but I basically just got to know the, the walk from the Airbnb to um, to the theatre. So, uh, you know, it, I, I think it, it, is, it is fun, but especially with this role for me, it's, um, it's a challenge and I've, I feel I'm quite quite consumed with the, the task of the play rather than kind of visiting these different places. But, it, you know, it's 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 wonderful to take it to new theatres. You know, going into a new theatre is the most exciting part of the week for me, entering that space for the first time and doing, you sort of retech the show quickly. Um, and it has, it you know, each theatre brings a slightly different feeling to the play. Like in some theatres, it feels cosier. In some theatres, it, it feels a bit more grand. And, you know, so... Um, you know, it's a tremendous privilege as an actor to be trying out all these spaces. It's like doing, you know, 10 jobs in one, you know, experiencing mm -hmm. however many theatres we do uh, in one job. It's a tremendous privilege. Yeah, I mean, I know that you started the show in Bath as well. And, you know, that's one of my favourite mm -hmm. regional theatres. You know, they do so much mm -hmm. um, great work over there. Um, had you visited Bath before? And, you know, how would you describe performing in that venue too? I visited Bath. I'd never been to the theatre. Um, it's a beautiful theatre. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, beautiful theatre. It's very different from the from the theatres I performed in before. Yeah, it's an interesting space. It feels very sort of long and thin, and you know, because it's got these deep, you know, the the circles go way back. So it's a big space to fill with your voice. Um, but it's gorgeous to be in and to look out of from the stage. It's a wonderful view, and yeah, it's, and Bath is beautiful as well. Walking around Bath, you know, the, we were there for a bit longer because we sort of. It was our first stop, so we were, we were there for two weeks and we you know, teched the show and did dress rehearsals of the show there. Our, our previews were there. Um, so, yeah, it's a, go no, it's a gorgeous place to perform. And where the theatre is, is situated right in the middle of Bath, which is such a beautiful town. Um, yeah, it's a lovely place to start. Really lovely place to start. Yeah, have there been any you know highlights of the tour so far in terms of places that you performed in? Uh, Richmond's been great, just beca because the audiences we got some really wonderful houses in Richmond. Um, I think a lot of people's, because a lot of us are London based in the cast. So a lot of people's friends and family came, um, but also the houses just always seemed so full and the reactions were really warm. I think people really loved the show there. Um, so that was, it was quite an exhausting week because you tended to have people in most nights. So we were always sort of staying on afterwards to, um, to spend some time with people and have a few drinks. So by the end of the week, I was pretty white. But that week was probably the highlight for me so far, just because of um, we had some really full houses and they were really loving the show and there was a wonderful energy in the theatre. Yeah, amazing. Um, I'm, one of my um, favourite shows of 2019 was coming to see um, translations at the National Theatre. Um, I thought your Lieutenant Yolland was so sweet and you know, his romance with Myra was <laughs> really great. Um, oh, thank you, it? thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 said I really did genuinely love it. Um, what was it that drew you as an actor to that show and to that, to, yeah, that character? Well, it's such a beautiful play. It's a gorgeous play. It was an unbelievable privilege for me. It was my first theatre job. Um, so it's not like I was choosing between things. It was very it was very much a case of being sent to the audition and 
you know, by my agent and, and doing it a few days later. I wasn't actually that familiar with the play, but I've read it a few times and I was absolutely bewitched by it. I mean, it's a beautiful play and such a wonderful part. And that love scene is um, one of the great love scenes, I think, in all <clears throat> in all theatrical writing between him and Moira. Um, and then it was at the National as well and with Ian Rickson, who's a genius director. Um, and with some, you know, some actors that I've been watching for years. So I was just, you know, it was a dream come true, really, doing that job uh, when it came along. I'm, yeah, I mean, work. I've, I've been going to the National Theatre all through my life, growing up. Before I even knew I wanted to be an actor, um, so then to be out on the Olivier stage. Oh, I mean, like even thinking back to it, it makes me sort of t start taking deep breaths. It was gorgeous, beautiful experience. Um, you know, when you do, it's just theatre is just when you when you when you're with a director that great and a, and a and a team of actors that wonderful and working in text that amazing. It's really acting become you just sort of let it happen. Really, you know, acting can become it, it, the more you get yourself out of the way, the better, and you just sort of let the, the writing flow through you. And it was a beautiful experience. I had the time of my life in that play. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, Ian Rickson is definitely one of my favourite directors as well. I've loved watching his work yeah. in recent years too. Um, and it's yeah. interesting because you know, I feel like um, translations, it feels like quite a domestic piece. You know, it feels quite um, intimate. But then, you know, you've got to on the Olivier stage where it feels so epic as well. How did you, you know, have yeah. some sort of juxtaposition too? Well, it's, I mean, Olivier is an incredible space. It, it does. It does, when you're on there, I mean, it, there was, there's a technical thing about being on the Olivier, which is obviously because it's sort of almost in the round. You just have to take a lot of your thoughts outwards, you know, because obviously we were we rehearse in a in a in a in a box in a room, so you don't have that eye for the fact that wherever you are standing on the Olivier stage, there are pretty much always people behind you, you know. So the technical aspect of that just means there's a lot of having a conversation with somebody there, and then a new thought sort of taking you over there. And continuing the conversation with whoever's there, you know, walking off in the opposite direction and taking lots of thoughts up as well. So you're just you're, you're sharing physically and vocally with that huge auditorium. Um, but it does have. It's not because I was I did Othello in the Littleton and the Littleton, I believe it's smaller, but I it feels like people are further away in the Olivier. I, I remember feeling even though it is such a big space that you are closer to everybody. So it has mm. that more intimate feeling you feel like you're amongst because you know obviously the, the stage protrudes into the audience you are amongst the audience more um as opposed to the littleton where you, you know, obviously being sort of proscenium march you, you know they, they seem a lot further away you feel you feel like you're on a stage and they're watching from the outside mm. um so with the olivier it's incredible space because it does have that epic but also intimate feeling to it no matter what you're doing there i think yeah, and I think um, it lends itself very well to a piece like Translation, so you do get that intimacy as well, you know, yeah. the content of the piece. Um, yeah, you mentioned Othello as well, which I also came to see last year. Um, another great highlight, you know, it was great watching um, this piece, you know, with Giles Herrera taking on, you know, the role of Othello. And, um, yeah. Yeah, how, how did you find that experience, you know, working with um, Clint Dyer, you know, and did you have any discussions about, you know, what it meant for it being, you know, the first major production directed by a Black director? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We we had a lot of discussions along those lines. From the off, um, we wanted to, you know, Clint saw the play, rightly so, I think, as a as a as a play that deals with race fundamentally, which is not. It it, it seems obvious now when you say that, but historically, a lot of actors and directors haven't seen that as the focus of the play, and so he was very clear with us 
as a sort of mission statement from the off as this to be a play that deals fundamentally with race and with racism and racial issues. It felt in the rehearsal room, it felt, it felt like we were doing something very significant. You know, it was still, it was, it was fun. It was still a fun experience rehearsing the play. And it was a lovely group of people, but there was a, a, a sort of reverence to the, to the uh, importance of the task and the importance of the play. And rightly so, you know, the, the issues that it deals with, should be you know dealt with carefully you know they, it's in many ways a very very dark play and you know there was a there was a big focus on on act, on our well-being as actors and for clint as a director dealing with those issues um, day in day out it felt like we were doing something important and also something we had to really take care of ourselves over and take care of it so that we did it justice um but a tremendous privilege to be involved in it's it's really interesting to hear you say that about Othello. I think it was a really groundbreaking production and you know you felt like you were watching something really special when I was watching it. Um as someone you know who has been going to the national, you know, throughout your life as you said, you know, how much would you say you know the national has changed um over that time and you know where do you see um the national being, you know, when Rufus Norris steps down in two years time? Oh god, I don't really know. I mean, I I feel like the I feel like the national right now under Rufus and Clint, you know, even the historical pieces that it does, that it does them in a very um, relevant way, in a very topical way, and I think that was what was exciting about Othello is it felt like an Othello for our time, and the other stuff they do, it, it always it felt for me recently as opposed to maybe years, you know, times gone by, um, very relevant and very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's very relevant and very important for, for now, uh, the, the, the pieces they put on. They're always trying to speak to a modern audience and speak to, a, a, yeah, speak to a theatre that's current, you know, and doesn't feel like museum theatre. Um, so I don't know where it's going to go from here uh, with, um, with Rufus stepping down, but I hope it keeps that spirit because I, I know conversations with friends who are, in, who are in the industry and also friends that are not in the industry that there's some really exciting stuff, um, especially for younger people um, at the National at the moment. And people, you know, the effect recently, I felt like everybody was talking about the effect in town, you know, whether you're in th involved in theatre or not. And I think that's, it's important for the National to be doing stuff like that and to be interesting, to, to, to be actively interesting um, younger audiences and current audiences uh, in exciting and vital theatre for now, for today, not just stuff that, that, that sort of museum pieces you know, from the past. Uh, so I hope it, I hope that legacy continues. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely been some really great work this year, and especially with things like The Effect and, you know, Dear England and Motive and the Q. Um, yeah. I, I know you're working now with um, Richard Eyre, who used to be um, Artistic Director of the National too. Um, have you spoken yeah. to him about, you know, the state of the National as well? We didn't, no, I didn't. He talked a lot about, you know, one of the joys of rehearsing was all the, hearing all the stories um, about various, you know, just him talking to Rupert about various people and about their careers and different stories from their careers. I don't know if we talked, I don't think we had a conversation about the National Theatre, now that I think about it. Um, but I believe he's written a book, hasn't he? I think he wrote a book about his, his, his tenure yeah. at the National. Yes, um, I think it was called like National Service. Yeah, National Service, yeah, yeah. I haven't read, but maybe I will now. That I have worked with Richard. Um, oh, the one thing he talked about was starting rehearsals late. Because he started his rehearsals at 11.45. 
and he says the reason and so sort of we started at 11 45 basically not really have a lunch break and he said he did that he started doing that at the national to avoid you know um paranoid actors coming over to him to ask him what he thought of <laughs> every little part of the play and of their performance uh, so that's one thing he did mention but i don't think i had a conversation with him about the national theater yeah, I mean, you've been working with some fantastic directors, you know, Richard Eyre, Clint mm. Dyer, Ian Rickson, you know, three fantastic directors. Um, what mm. do you think, you know, as an actor, you know, what sort of stuff do you look for in a director and what do you think makes a good, great director? I think great directors, well, great directors, they allow you to do your best work. They allow you to unlock your best work. It's not about you know, I think the best directors are really interested in you. As 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 I, I remember, I remember, I remember feeling that way about working with Ian Rickson is that he was sort of obsessed with his actors, and that's the reason he wanted to work with them is because there was something about the energy they brought to audition or the energy they bring to performance that he was so interested in, and he just wanted to unlock that as much as possible. And so you feel like the best directors are sort of facilitators, and they create this space for you to really thrive as an actor and for your creativity to be, and your sort of perform, your sort of energy, performing energy to be unlocked fully, rather than kind of walking you through exactly what, you, you know, they think you should be doing and giving you a kind of, you know, step-by-step -step guide for how to, you know, for what, for what to do. They, they create the space in which you discover it yourself. And in that, and then in doing so, create a really, creatively fulfilling um, environment in rehearsal. So I think the best the best um, directors are the best creative facilitators rather than, you know, sort of more directly, you know, instructing you what to do. They're allowing you to discover it yourself and allowing you to unlock um, your own your own creative energy. That's what that, I think that's what the, and, and I've had that with all of the directors I've worked with. Yeah, absolutely. And similarly, again, you know, you've worked on some great writing, you know, John Mortimer, Shakespeare, mm. um, Brian Friel. Um, what do you look for in a script, you know, before, you know, accepting, you know, an offer? Uh, stuff that just excites me. Stuff that I read and I, you know, as an actor, you, there are certain things you read and you think, yeah, I know your mind just starts firing, thinking about what you could do with that. Um, so stuff that you read and you start to sweat because you're <laughs> because you get really excited about what what that could be or what you could do with that, how you could bring that to life. Stuff that inspires you and yeah, just and starts giving you ideas. I, I, ideally, I want to be reading something and, and 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 then for the next you know until I pick it up again, I'm I'm imagining what I could be doing with that, how I could be playing with that, how I could you know different ideas. But yeah, just inspiring ideas to come into your head about how you could perform it. That's that's what I look for. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely, you know, you've done some great work, as we've already said. Um, I think it is just, you know, slightly, I guess, unfortunate as well that, you know, none of these writers that you've worked on are still around with us today. Um, you know, if yeah. some, you know, John Mortimer was around today, you know, is there anything that you would have liked to have asked him about doing Voyage Around My Father? Oh, God, that's, that's a tough question. Is there anything I'd like to have asked him? It's difficult now because the sort of the process is, you know, we're performing it. So I feel like... <laughs> I'd be interested for him to see it and then have a chat with him about it generally, what he thought. And, and I suppose how different we, you know, our takes are from the way he originally envisioned it uh, or, or how similar. I guess that's the, that would be what I'd talk to him about. But yeah, I mean, I'd, be, I'd just be interested to hear what he thought about it generally. Yeah, I think that would be, yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, did you know much about, you know, the show, you know, before going into it? Had you seen, you know, the television films that had been released previously? No, I mean, I knew who John Walker was, but I didn't know the play um and then 
having got the job, I researched it and read about him and watched uh, bits of the um, Olivier version, which is on YouTube, which, you know, not all of it, because I don't like to watch sort of whole other takes on, on, on what other actors are doing with a job that I'm about to start. But for little bits of it, just for the sense of certain lines and stuff, I, I would watch clips of that. Um, but yeah, so I knew who he was, but I wasn't familiar with the play. Uh, how did you become Jack Bardo? Uh, well, Bardo is my middle name. So it's my mum's family name. Uh, so my real, my name is Jack Morris. Jack, well, my full name is Jack Bardo Morris. When I was leaving drama school, you create your spotlight and you join equity. And um, there was already a, a Jack Morris actor, I believe. So I couldn't be Jack Morris because you can't have two actors with the same name. The next thing that popped into my head was Jack Bardo, just because that's um, my middle name. In oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, looking ahead, then, um, you know, is there are there any you know particular you know creatives or actors that you still like to work with? Or do you have any like dream roles that you'd like to do? Oh god, I mean, yeah, I do love Shakespeare. So doing something like like Macbeth or I don't know Henry V or something like that would be amazing. Um, I love like all the stuff Rebecca Frecknell's doing at the moment. I think it's so cool. Uh, also, Robert Icke, I think I've, all the stuff I've seen of his, I, I absolutely love. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things, but we'll yeah. see. Just take it, take it one job at a time. <laughs> uh, yeah, have you seen anything you know interesting that's particularly stood out to you as well recently? I loved the Crucible at the National. Uh, I saw that right before I went and started work rehearsing. I thought that was fantastic, really, really great. I didn't actually, I had never read the play. And it's such a fantastic play. So I had a really great evening at the theatre watching that. Uh, but so much, I think there's a lot of really, really great theatre at the moment. I haven't really been able to watch a lot recently because I've been on tour, I've been touring. But yeah, a bunch, bunch of things. I think there's, there's, there's just a lot of fantastic theatre on at the moment. Yeah. Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to seeing, you know, once you've finished with Voyage Round My Father? Um, I want to go see uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which I believe is on in town at the moment. Yes. Um, that's just been recommended to me. And it was actually on at the National when I was doing translations. But obviously I couldn't see it because I was doing translations. But I had a friend, a friend of mine went to see it the other day and said, I really have to go see that. So that, I'm very wrapped up in this show at the moment. So I'll have to take, I'll have to uh, take a beat once I've finished and have a little look at, the, at how the land lies and go start seeing some plays again. Uh, it's been so wonderful talking to you. Um, just as a last question, um, what do you hope audiences will take away with them when they go and see Voyage Around My Father? I hope it makes people think about um, the relationship they have with their parents and the kind of the tragedy and the comedy of fam familial relations, especially between parents and their children, not just between fathers and sons, but fathers and daughters and um, sons and mothers and and I hope people, you know, even though this play is a, a, a window into a different world, into a, into the past, into a, an England that isn't really very familiar to the England people known today, I hope there people people recognise the commonality and in, in the exploration of the the familial relations depicted in the play. And uh, I hope it moves people, and I hope it makes people laugh. Jack Bardi, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.